0: Hello, and welcome to the Lake Forest Church Huntersville Sermon Podcast. We are a community of skeptics, spiritual explorers, and longtime followers of Christ. To learn more about who we are as a church and how you can get connected, visit lakeforest.org. Hey, that was really fun. Uh, Good to see you. Good morning, Lake Forest Church. Uh, I'm Mike Moses, lead pastor of the Lake Forest family of churches. There are uh, four of us and specifically lead pastor of Lake Forest Church Huntersville. And we're worshiping live in this moment with you. We think that being live together in the chat rooms and you and me at the same time is worth it, even if we have a few glitches like last Sunday. It's worth it to be live. I think it's dynamic. Hey, I want to thank uh, our Remix teenagers who read our scripture for us. That was really fun. So thank you to hopscotching uh, Izzy and Eris. Thank you to upside-down Zach. And thank you to all over the place, Riley. You cracked me up and you brought a smile to my face last night. I watched that a bunch of times. Um, now, just to be sure that you parents know, we know there's a lot of you uh, are, are sitting in your house and uh, you've got kids there at home. Just so you know, at 9 a.m., before this, at 9 a.m., we have our Kidtropolis out, uh, bit for kids. And so and it's on our Facebook Live page. You can go back and rewatch that with your kids and talk about the Bible lesson if you haven't done that already. And then parents, again, since I know a lot of you have parent, uh, kids in the room and I remember what that was like for me and we're live and everything and we can't edit me, I'm trying as well as I possibly can to keep things PG, I'm doing my best. Uh, also, it's okay if you let your kids go play. Like, it's cool to be like, okay, hit the trampoline now, whatever it is. That's super cool for you guys to do so you can concentrate. And I'm glad you're with me, and here's what I'd like for you to do. Everybody, get your coffee or your, your, your veggie juice thing, whatever you healthy people are drinking today. Uh, would you get it? I'm going to count to three, and let's all take a sip together. You ready? One, two, uh, three. Oh, man, I love coffee. It's so good. Okay, now listen to me. Long-term Christians and those of you who consider yourselves spiritual explorers, we're very honored. I'm personally honored that you're worshiping with us in this time. Here's a fantastic truth. When you trust Jesus to be your God, your Savior, and the leader of your life, immediately the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And That's the series we're in, the Holy Spirit, God within you. And we're looking at the fruit that the Spirit then bears out in our life. The Holy Spirit comes in you to seal you as an adopted child of God. And that's one reason that once you are a Christian, you can know that you're eternally secure in God's family. Because it's God's work, not our conduct, that got us into the family. And it's God's work that keeps you in that family. It's by grace through faith in Jesus, enacted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Now... I've known a lot of people, and so have you, who faithfully attended church for years, who've been baptized and heard a butt-ton of sermons in their life, and yet still live a defeated Christian life. The sort of, kind of, you almost sort of give up. You're like, it just doesn't feel like there's any power or difference to this, and I understand that. But one of the main reasons for that, is many people haven't been told, and it's my responsibility to tell you, God never intended for you to live the Christian life. God did not intend that for you. God intends for the Holy Spirit to live the life of Christ in you and through you as you depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. You're already empowered to face any situation in your life, any circumstance, with Christ-likeness and with Potency, because of the Holy Spirit in you. The fruit of the Holy Spirit that, that our remixers just read for us, that was fun. I can't wait to see what they come up ne- with next week. Mike uh, and Cammy, I'd like to have them, uh, can you have some more remixers, read our scripture for us next week because I just like that. But that fruit of the Holy Spirit represents what is possible, what can be. What can be actual in the life of a Christian who depends on the Holy Spirit. In fact, it describes what a Christian can be, a character like Jesus. And here they are again. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Would you move over here with me? And yet, sometimes... We become somebody really different from who God says we can be, who we can actually be. The fruit of the Spirit, see, are the virtues of the Christian life, and they're what God does inside of us when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Those of you on the sidelines of the Christian faith right now, I so want for you to get in the game. Take the small step. It's a small step, but it's existentially a quantum leap to put your trust in Jesus and start walking his way. Now as you think about the entire list that we read in Galatians chapter 5 it's in Galatians chapter 5 that's a, the Galatians in the New Testament is a little letter that the apostle Paul wrote to a brand new baby church in an area of modern-day Turkey around the year 65 AD just a couple of decades after Jesus died and rose from the dead. And he writes a few verses earlier than this list of the fruit of the Spirit. He writes about the opposite, which is the works of the flesh, is his phrase. And these are behaviors and attitudes that seem to come all too natural to us, the works of the flesh. And Paul writes that very seldom are those the things that God wants to work in your life. We we want the fruit of the Spirit. We want what's actual, what's possible that God says. But we find ourselves drawn to producing the works of the flesh, Paul says. Now theologians identify this little phrase in Galatians 5 that Paul uses, our flesh. Theologians identify that with our sinful nature or just the brokenness in us that draws us to harmful things like moth to a flame. You experience that, I experience that. Look at verse 16 of Galatians 5. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit. And then Paul says, but the works, the fruit of the spirit, are what, with the Holy Spirit's help, you can be. So I'm going to list now the fruit of the spirit. And beside them, I'm going to, along with a, a, another church who worked on this, I'm going to list the works of the flesh that are listed in Galatians 5 in modern language. Each of them are the antonym or the opposite of the fruit of the spirit. You ready? Here we go. The fruit of the Spirit is love like selfless giving, but the work of the flesh is selfishness. The fruit of the Spirit is joy like giving thanks in all circumstances even this morning, but the work of the flesh is complaining. The fruit of the Spirit is peace, but the work of the flesh is worry. The fruit of the Spirit is patience, but the work of the flesh is short-temperedness. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness, but the work of the flesh is is rudeness or mean-spiritedness. The fruit of the Spirit is generosity, but the work of the flesh is stinginess. The fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness, but the work of the flesh is unfaithfulness, or infidelity is the word. The fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, but the work of the flesh is harshness. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control, but the work of the flesh is an undisciplined life. And if you look at those two lists that I just read, I want to be the first one. I want, that's who I want to be. But I find myself more naturally being the person described by the second action in each of those sentences. But you and I were made, we were created to blossom with the fruit of the Spirit. Look at this, Galatians 5 verse 24. Those who belong to Jesus Christ. If you want to belong to Jesus Christ, you just say, Jesus, right now I give all that I know and understand of me, to all that I know and understand of you. I don't have it all figured out, but I want to belong to you. Amen. That's all you do. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. uh, Its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Hmm. See, when you and I become a Christian, we are crucified with Christ, the Bible says. We die to everything ugly or evil that Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for. And then we're raised with him in the power of the Holy Spirit, just like he was, to new, abundant, eternal life through the power of Jesus' resurrection by faith. And now, 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 now and I mean now, I mean sitting in your living room in your little fuzzy slippers, I mean now, we can live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Or, You and I can let the dead things of the flesh that were already crucified in Christ by faith in him, we can let those dead things have rule over us, even though they're less powerful than the Holy Spirit. And in the life of the Christian, the works of the flesh are not just bad for you, they're not just bad for the people around you and society at large, but the works of the flesh have the stench of death because they were crucified with Christ and they have no power. And so they just stink when we live there without the power of the Spirit. Now, thanks to your help in our Facebook poll. Thank you for that I'll, on Wednesday or Thursday. Next week, I'm going to teach on the fruit of the spirit of self-control next week. That was like the overwhelming choice. And, and I'm also going to talk more about how practically to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. We'll start there next week. But here's one way, like tangible way, I attempt to practically keep in step with the Holy Spirit during my workday. I thought I'd share it with you. Every person that I meet with, see, my, my whole life is meetings either staff or elders or many of you dear people, and I love that. And every person I meet with, I want to treat as a possibility for the Spirit to do something real, authentic, and powerful. And so I took a prayer out of a book by Larry Crabb, and I've made it my own. It's my habit. Here's what I pray silently before every time I meet with you or, or anyone else. Um, this is my keeping step with the Spirit prayer. Holy Spirit, would you please arc your presence in me like an electrical current with your Holy Spirit in that, my friend, I'm about to meet with. And would you do something real and powerful in their life? Amen. That's my keeping step with the Spirit prayer, and it means that I pray it multiple times daily because I'm always in meetings. It's helpful to me. Maybe it's helpful for you. But today, we're talking about the first fruit of the Spirit that we're addressing. We thought that patience, a lot, we took a silent poll, and patience came up as the, what we needed first. And so, i got an interactive quiz for you at home. You're going to discuss this for a second. And if you're by yourself, text a friend or family member, okay? Take a risk. Would your family or coworkers describe you as a patient person? Don't talk about the other people in your house. You talk about your own self. Would your friends or coworkers or family describe you as a patient person? Text a friend. Would your conduct, character, and conversation display patience or impatience Talk amongst yourselves for just a moment and then we'll come back. All right? Wondering about myself. Hmm. And I'm back to me over here. I'm gonna have a seat, sip my coffee while you're talking, and I'll just kind of keep talking. Hope you guys are talking about who's patient, who's not. And now, now that you gave everybody a chance to say if they think you think they're patient. Now go ahead and tell them if they are or not. Just to be honest. Let's be honest with each other. Okay, me, myself, and I, I think I'm a pretty patient person, honestly. Except when I'm not. <laughs> Which is a lot, a lot of times that that's probably the answer for you as well. But listen, um, once you are a beloved son or daughter of God, sealed by the blood of Christ through the Holy Spirit, You can't be lost from God again, but you sure can mess up your life. (laughs) And impatience is one of the main ways that we can mess up our life and miss out on what God has for us. Patience, patience, patience. Let's give some definitions to patience. Uh, The the grand old southern preacher Charles Stanley here, he, he couldn't pick just one, so he gives three definitions of patience in his sermon on this subject. He says... Patience is a quiet, uncomplaining endurance under stress or annoyance. He also says, patience is being good-tempered. That's kind of the literal meaning in the Greek. And he also says, patience is having the will to wait. Now, some guy, uh, I I found a great quote, and and I couldn't re-find him on the Internet, so I'm just going to call him some guy. He said, I define patience as the deep conviction that it can never be wrong to be Christ-like it can never be right to be un like And what he's emphasizing in that definition is out of our impatience, we just say, well, I mean, what does God expect of me? This thing isn't changing, or the thing I wanted didn't happen, so therefore I have to act outside of God's will. That's kind of what he's addressing there. Uh, uh, there's a book called The Character of Jesus that points out that Jesus had, the, to the superlative degree, both aspects of patience. And in this book, he says that patience is one word, but it's like a lot of stars. It looks like one star up there, but it's actually a double star that's common in astronomy. And he says some words have double meanings, like patience. And this author says patience is both a calm waiting for something hoped for and the unruffled endurance of pain and trouble. And so, friends, this spring, what I need, and I'm pretty sure you need because I'm in touch with a lot of you We need a calm waiting for the return to normalcy that we are hoping for, but we don't know when. And and we need an unruffled endurance of the pain and the trouble that many of you are experiencing, and certainly loved ones, and certainly this world. I'm mostly troubled by how this is falling on the poor. Um, In Charlotte, in our nation, uh, and on other Continence. And I need the patience of God that trusts in his sovereignty. And God's goodness and that because of Jesus, love will win. I've got to have that patience right now or I'm despairing a lot. Because like many of you at Lake Forest, so many of you have a heart for the poor of the world. and. including in our town, and you participate with generosity so that we can especially prefer the poor in our missions. Many of you go to other places in the world in teams of Lake Forest, and you bless the poor, especially children without opportunity, and you re-gift them with opportunity. I'm proud of you for that, but I I need patience. I didn't really plan for that to touch a deep spot in my heart, but that's where I'm tempted to struggle the most right now, is the disparities in the structure of our world because it's fallen. I need patience. I really need that definition of patience. Now, each fruit of the Holy Spirit today's is patience. Patience. Is both a command of God and it's a gift of God. I think that's cool. Whatever God commands, He also gives us in the Holy Spirit. And the biblical portrait of patience in the life of Jesus is not just some mere acquiescence or just like a, well, I'll just sit by twiddling my thumbs while stuff happens. That's not the patience of Jesus, man. Like, patience in Jesus is a profound, vibrant, virile virtue. And it's deeply rooted in our absolute confidence in the sovereignty of God and in God's promise to bring all things to completion in a way that most fully demonstrates God's glory and our good. And the evidence for that is our creation in the first place. Hey, man, touch your face. Touch your chest. You're here. <laughs> That's an evidence of God's good. Like, he put you here. He gave you life. How cool is that? And the further evidence of God's goodness is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And therefore, I hope and I can be patient. Now, I thought of four scenarios where I'm tempted to impatience in my life. And I wonder if they're similar for you. And so you know what tempts me to impatience? First of all, our culture, was kind of shapes all of us to want everything now. Let me put that on screen, and I'm going to switch back over here again. I'm going to stand up because I need to stand up so I don't keep on crying, okay? Uh, uh, Culture shapes me to want everything now. We live in a culture that wants everything right now. We we are in an instant gratification culture. The internet feeds that in us. Want to listen to a song? Buy it now online. Want to read a book? Don't waste time going to the bookstore. We miss I miss bookstores. Buy it online. Read it now. And anything that can't be downloaded can be ordered next day delivery for a fee. And guess what? I'm that guy. If I can get it the next day I'm gonna pay extra I'm just that guy you might be that gal I don't know I want it tomorrow and it takes over my life and it spills into relationships and my relationship with God just think about patience with other people but also think about patience with God I drive my family crazy by how impatient I get when a restaurant takes too long they're like Mike this is not iTunes right now or Amazon.com. Just chill. Let them cook the food. You don't want it raw. And I'm sitting there drumming my, even when Angie and I were in France the last time, I can't even chill there. Where like, you're supposed to chill, okay? And I drive Angie crazy. I'm like, come on, garçon. You know, like we don't, chop, chop, we don't have all day here. Why haven't you refilled my bread and my cheese in the last two minutes? doesn't happen that way in France. (laughs) When things happen slow, I get frustrated. Now, the Greek word for patience, I mentioned this earlier, in the New Testament, it means literally long-tempered, long-fused. That's super helpful for me. When we're short-tempered or short-fused, it doesn't take much to frustrate and agitate us. So, Holy Spirit, please bear the fruit of patience in me. A second thing that tempts me to impatience is my own lateness. I don't know if you're like me, but I always think I can do more than I can in an allotted amount of time. I'm like, honey, I just got two more things to to do at the office, and then I'll be home in 15 minutes. You know what Angie does when I say that? She plans on me being home an hour later because I always try to do too much. And then I'm late, and I'm like hurrying, and then I'm mad at the old lady in front of me in a car, you know, who's actually waiting the proper amount of time to take a left turn. And that's, that's my impatience because of my lateness. A third thing that tempts me to impatience, maybe you too, is a high level of stress in my life, which we're all dealing with. Like, you know what? The base level of stress that it it means to live in a fallen world, an imperfect world, just went up. And so you're not alone, and and there's nothing wrong with you, that you're extra stressed out, but it tempts us to impatience. Uh, My own stress creates a situation where I'm quick to snap, to judge, to assume I heard what you that I heard what you said, but I didn't actually hear what you said, honey. I just pretended to because I was being impatient to get to the next thing. I mean, that's not me. That's just an example of some other husband. Uh, I get impatient impatient when you inconvenience me. I get impatient when you slow me down. I get impatient when you're slow to understand me. I get impatient when you're slow to get something done the way I want it done. And if you heard the commonality there, it's the word I, 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 I. A professor at UNC Chapel Hill, go Heels, published a study finding that the root cause of most impatience is, wait for it, narcissism. (laughs) And so I have to admit, the fourth thing that tempts me to impatience is my own unchecked narcissism. That's like for real. It probably is for you too. And I hate that word. I don't want to be a narcissist, but I recognize it in me when I become aware of my flesh, producing impatience, which leads to rudeness or offense or lots of things. Impatience leads to. Impatience. I don't want to be a narcissist. I don't want to be a fool. The book of Ecclesiastes says, Do not be quick to anger, for anger lodges in the bosom of fools. Like, call me anything but a narcissist or a fool. And yet, when I act out of impatience, that's true of me. God, help me to put off the work of the flesh and through the power of your Holy Spirit bear the fruit of patience in me that I be a long-fused man. So, all right, well, that stinks. Pastor Mike, (laughs) thanks for taking me down the road and holding my hand of how impatient I can be and why and when. But does the Bible tell me how to dial in to patience from the Holy Spirit? Yes, it does. (laughs) We're going to spend the rest of our time turning your Bible to Colossians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul, writing to a different baby church in in a part of Greece, ancient Greece, he calls the Christians in that church to be patient with one another, and then he describes what it takes to dial into this fruit of the Holy Spirit. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, he writes, as God's chosen people, that's you, holy and dearly loved, you are dearly loved by God the Father, Son, and Spirit. No matter if you're getting patience or impatience, wrong or right, you are dearly loved. Okay, as that person, clothe yourself with patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. This is Colossians three twelve to 14. Let me put that on the screen for you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. So have Colossians 3 open in your Bible there, and we'll stick here the rest of the message. So here the Apostle Paul describes how to keep in step with the Spirit and be patient. Number one, he says, bear with the person or the circumstance, okay? The Apostle Paul writes to the early church, hey, you had to put up with each other, to, to get to the virtue of patience. Because guess what? Nobody's perfect, even you. C.S. Lewis, that great Christian writer, says, you know what? After you, you, You just have to spend two to four years with somebody, and you'll come to know every tonal inflection of their voice that grates on you, every facial expression that irritates you. That's how it works. We butt heads with each other. Dude, especially shelter at home. And the only way that's going to work is the way God intends it is first, forbearance. We choose forbearance. And we recognize, hey, I'm not perfect either. I know you're having to put up with my irritating tonal inflections. And so I'm going to put up with you and bear with you. That's grace. Now, many translations of the Bible, instead of saying patience for this fruit of the Spirit, they actually translate it as the word forbearance. And I think it bears reading the whole Webster's Dictionary definition of forbearance. One, I'll put it on screen for you. A refraining from the enforcement of something, such as a debt, a right, or an obligation that is due. Two, the act of forbearing equals patience, so they're synonyms. Three, the quality of being forbearing is leniency. And so that person cuts you off on the road, you're in your car, and therefore they catch the green light and you get stuck with the red and you're stressed out because, like me, you're running late anyway. <laughs> but then the Holy Spirit, if, we, if I keep in step with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I want to bear the fruit of patience right now. And the Holy Spirit will give us the opportunity to stop and go, how many times have I done that to somebody? I just did it two blocks ago. <laughs> and so I'm going to bear with that little VW rabbit that's up ahead of me that just did that to me as Christ bears with my trifling behind I'm going to bear with them. Uh, You know, what can help is is to reflect on how patient God is with me. Have you ever reflected on how patient God is with you? Like that awareness in that moment can help me grow in my ability to tap into the Holy Spirit in the moment and be patient. Like when somebody tells me, man, Mike, Pastor Mike, I'm so impatient with my adult child who's going so far astray and messing stuff up. I'm doing everything I can to bring her back but then she just pushes me further away. And I'll say something like, "Have you noticed like how much God bears with you when you go astray? Like God forbears and allows anyone to go astray. God forbears and allows. He's patient with anybody to walk outside of God's will and he still gives them the grace of breathing this air." And having the sun shine on their face and the possibility of knowing him. And he still hasn't zapped my sorry tiny little self off the planet. He bears with me. And he's saying, oh, I still love that little booger, Mike Moses. I'll give him grace. I want him to keep enjoying life and growing closer to me possibly. Forbearance. It's a huge part of patience that summons the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this does not mean to tolerate. I want to be clear. What patience does not mean and forbearance does not mean. It does not mean that therefore you tolerate abuse or undignified treatment of yourself. During this home-based time, abuse is at an epidemic level. Domestic abuse is at an epidemic level right now. Tell someone. Get help if that's occurring. That calls not for forbearance but for righteous anger, setting huge boundaries and seeking justice, not forbearance. I just want to be sure we're not misunderstood here. Uh, the second way in Colossians three, we're told how to keep in step with the Spirit and be patient after, after showing forbearance is then to forgive them. And Paul says, quote, "As the Lord forgave you." Hey, do you know what? That a follower of Jesus can get so into the habit of forgiving as Christ forgave you, you can live your whole life where, you know what? every other person in your life is actually pre-forgiven." I know people who live with others and live with me as though we are pre-forgiven. That is a beautiful, chill, peaceful, Christ-like way to live. Because don't you know, God has forgiven you so much. And forgiveness is an act of the will. You don't have to feel good about it. You don't have to be happy about it. You have to have a smile on your face. But it's an act of the will. I forgive that person, Lord, because you've forgiven me. I owe that. To them, And so the Christian virtue and the fruit of patience is rooted in knowing ourselves as forgiven sinners, knowing our own frailty, being all too aware of our own faults, and so therefore we deal with others out of humility rather than pride. And so the Christian has no excuse for responding to anybody in an impatient spirit of arrogance, haughtiness, or superiority. No, no, no. We watch the example of Jesus and we follow it, who on the cross said, Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do, even though he was unjustly sinned against, as you often are. And we want to respond, therefore, in true humility to God and every other person in our life, including that person you're thinking about right now. And so when we first of all bear with with the annoyance of the other person, Paul used the word grievance, or their slowness to do what we want. And then we forgive their actual infraction against us. You know what that's like? It's like turning on the Batman signal. Golly gee, Commissioner Jordan, Gordon, flash the bat signal. We mean We need Batman now. When you forbear and when you forgive, you are flashing the Holy Spirit signal in your life. And that's when the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of patience in you in that moment. And you know what that overflows to? This is the third way in Colossians 3, how to keep in step with the Spirit, with patience. That overflows into love. Verse 14, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. Clothe yourself with love. And so when you bear with and you forgive, you flash the the Holy Spirit bat signal, and then that clothes you in response in the love of God. Because don't you know the Holy Spirit is love? Jesus said God is love. That's Father, Son, and Spirit is love, net, net, net. And so the Christian understanding of patience is grounded in our understanding of others. That's a person whom God is potentially at work in right now. And so I'm going to be overwhelmed with love for them. Even though I'm experiencing disappointment or conflict with them in this moment. God is potentially at work in them. And I'm going to cooperate with God's work by forbearing, forgiving, thus downloading the Holy Spirit and producing love. In this instance, the love of patience. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is in your life, Christian. Because like Jesus, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And like Jesus, you can keep in step with the Spirit's power every moment. Look at Luke 3.21. The Holy Spirit was definitely in Jesus' life. On the day Jesus was baptized, let me put this on screen, and as he was praying, heaven opened, and who? The Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. Friends, Jesus walked daily in the Holy Spirit, putting to death the desires of the human flesh and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, including patience. You can too. The Holy Spirit is there to live Christ's life through you and in you as you keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And the essence of Christian theology is this. If God is love, then in the final analysis, all that is right and good will win. Therefore, we don't have to fight evil with evil. It's always the right time to be Christ-like. I don't have to win every battle, particularly by leaning into the works of the flesh, because God's going to win the war through Jesus. And if evil is strong and I have to suffer right now, I don't sink to that level. But if we respond with love. The kind of love that Paul says in his great thesis of love in 1 Corinthians 13, remember it starts off with love is what? What's the beginning of that passage? Love is patient. That's it. Love looks at the long run, recognizes the only wise response to inconvenience or to evil is love, for love to have the, right, the last word as we are patiently await Jesus' return. Let's pray and finish by standing and worshiping. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we thank you, God, that you assure us that the negative stuff, including evil, will not win in the end. And thank you for the fruit of the Holy Spirit of patience that makes us able to live in this fallen world and in this time of great pause, and we can still have love, joy, and peace and all the other fruits of the Spirit. May we keep in step with your spirit this week and exhibit patience to those whom we love and to the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.